Hey everybody, this is Jason from Cornerstone Dog Training and CornerstonePuppy.com coming to you with the sixth, I believe, uh, episode about uh, training, taking a dog from a puppy, the puppy program, all the way through advanced. And we're going to talk about advanced training today, what you do after you've got an awesome puppy going. So let's jump into this. So, uh, yeah, you've done some awesome stuff. If you've listened to the, the other podcasts and you've been following that process, then you are, you know, your puppy's growing. You probably got this puppy right around eight weeks or a little later. That's okay too. And you've worked on some things here and there. You've started to, you know, you've worked on potty training and kennel training and you're probably getting around five months old when you're getting a dog around five months old, then you're ready to start moving on to a little, uh, to, to do more intense things. So you've, you've worked on potty training, you're working toward advanced. Um, you, you can teach your dog to go in a certain spot. That's what we like to do. Teach them to go like a service dog. They go on command. It's not ring a bell or anything like that. Uh, I think it's better to just teach a dog, Hey, hold it until we ask you to go. That's what real potty training is. And then of course, yeah, you can add the bell later or things like that. If you want to have them ring a bell to go, I, um, I just don't like to be my dog's butler. <laughs> but at the same time, that's a fun thing for a lot of people to do, and I don't have a problem with it. Usually it's just not always done right at the first. Teach the dog to be potty trained first and then add the bell. Don't try and do the bell all at once. So this is like, you know, you're hitting four or five, five plus months, and your dog is like technically out of diapers, right? You've, you've, it's been a while since you've had a potty training incident doing way better in the kennel, relaxing in the kennel. If you've trained it right, then that's a great, great place to be in. You've worked on focus and relationship. Uh, those That relationship's not just built on, on food and uh, bribes, but it's built on boundaries and respect and leadership. And so you're kind of, you know, you're building this relationship of you are a leader and the adult in the relationship. And yes, you still have a puppy and they're still cute and they still mess up and that's okay. Uh, but you're working toward greater freedom because that's what we ultimately want, right? I, I love my kids, but ultimately I want them to grow up and have skills and be able to move out of my house and um, get married and have wonderful lives. That's what I want, okay? I want them to be successful in whatever way or direction they go, but I want them to be successful and I want to help teach that in the time that I have with them when they're young. Now, the cool thing about dogs is they never really grow up and uh, – if they, you know, they can't go to college and things like that and get an education and get a career. If they did, everybody would have dogs because it'd be a great investment, right? Um, but they're really, that's one of the things we love about them is that they're just there with us and they're okay with that. They're great with that. And different dogs at different situations, I'm not naive. Like I, we fix a lot of problems that make, you know, some dogs can be kind of nightmares for people, but a lot of times we just change our behavior and expectations and it helps to change our dogs. And we can have that relationship even if it's not going the way it's supposed to or that we had hoped right now. So that you can hold out hope that there's still ways to go there. But if you're working with this from a puppy, then you're fixing these problems before they ever start. So you're starting, your, your dog's starting to get greater freedom. They can um, be on place longer. They can be out of the kennel more and roam around the house a little bit, and it's still okay. They're not pottying in the house. Uh, they're not chewing up things they shouldn't. And you're starting to get there at about five-plus months uh, with this puppy. Five-plus five months old is what I'm talking about when I say five-plus months. 
Um, you're starting to get some obedience. So like you're worked on a sit and a down and a place, a weight command, come command. Heel command might be a little bit behind. That's one of the harder ones for a puppy, but you're working on that. You've worked on no and yes and release command. So you've got an implied stay going on. And it may not be for too long. You know, maybe you can get your dog to do a down for a couple minutes or, uh, you know, two, 10 minutes, whatever, something like that. Place command may be a little longer, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and you'd be doing great at that point. If you had a dog that's about five months old and you can do a place command for 10 minutes, then you are well on your way to be doing some awesome stuff. And the next part gets kind of exciting. You know, you, you, you're starting to get more focus and more composure. You can use those skills that they're learning in situations like in the parking lot of a big box store or even going in a store, maybe in the entryway first and then even into a store. But we're not pushing it too hard. Uh, we don't want them to have bad experiences. We want to make sure they're good experiences. And we want focus and composure in those, not just um, exposure, but composure in those situations. Exposure is not bad, but ultimately we want composure in those situations. So we're working toward that. Um, you're starting to get in harder and harder situations. Maybe you're thinking about your, you know, taking your dog to your kid's sporting events or things like that. And again, you're working for toward composure, not just exposure. Um, your dog's getting better manners, right? You're starting to, starting to listen when you say no. Um, although you probably, you know, you have good days and bad days at this right now because you're heading in toward an adolescent stage, uh, where food won't mean as much to most dogs where they'll start saying, huh, I don't know. Are you really sincere about that boundary? I, I'm going to test you on this to see if I can trust you in building this boundary. And that's really what it is. It, it's a dog saying, Hey, um, when you're building this boundary that is good for me, you know, there's no danger here. You're just helping me have better skills, but mm, I'm going to push against it to see if you're sincere. Like maybe, maybe you're not sincere as, as I thought, maybe you're not really, you're not a good, strong leader. And I, I, I should trust myself more or not trust you as much. And so that's what boundaries do for us is it gets us a situation as we build boundaries in for a puppy, it puts us in a situation where we don't have to, to be ever heavy-handed. If you've worked through this process, um, you, you rarely have to uh, get after your dog because you're starting to build in these boundaries in this relationship. And I would never advocate for, for striking a dog. Um, and there's a lot of learning that needs to take place in understanding how dogs talk. We definitely need to communicate with them. But um, when I say heavy handed, I'm using that as a metaphor. All right. So we don't have to come down. We don't need to yell at our dog. We don't need to have so many frustrating moments because we've already built this training in. So where do you go from now? Like this is where I get really, really excited. Puppy stuff is so slow and so foundational and there's good days and there's bad days and you'll have like 10 good days in a row. And then all of a sudden you'll wake up and your dog has pooped in the kennel or something. You're like, what? I thought we figured this out. And so those days get you know, further those bad days, there's more good days in between and they get fewer and further away and it gets better and better. And it just gets exciting because when you hit about the five month mark, something magical happens with most dogs and they start to kind of grow up in a way where they can actually start to understand more. So like when my kids go, you know, they go to elementary school and that's great. They're learning foundational things, but I wouldn't expect them to be able to, uh, you know, do algebra or whatever in that state. Like they're not ready for it. Their minds may not even be able to comprehend it yet. Um, but we're still going to push and work in that direction. But it's like all of a sudden they just hit this, this 
growth spurt. In dogs, it's about five months and mental growth spurt where they're just like, oh, this is making sense. And it starts to get solidified and they start to really be able, like exponentially grow as far as their behavior and their ability. So it gets really, really fun. And uh, you can start to get more and more freedom and things like that. So what's your focus? Like where do we go into advanced training? What you've done through the puppy steps that we're talking about is you've actually built the foundation of the house you want to build and now it's going to go up fast. Um, if you haven't started and you have an older dog, that's okay. You know, it's going to maybe be a little slow at first, but it also comes quickly because they're older and they can comprehend more and they can understand more. You can give more direction. I always, I don't know if I've used this example before here, but I used to be a soccer coach and uh, I'd coach my son's soccer team. And when you're first starting out, you know, you're working with this team of, of little kids. They were little boys and they're, I don't know, five, six years old or something like that. And they're trying to learn the game and you'd be like, you know, Johnny gets the ball and he's so excited. He's going the wrong way towards the other goal and you say Johnny Johnny no 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 turn around and he stops and he walks over to you and he's just crying he's like oh, I did something wrong and he's so sad and you're like oh no Johnny I'm just trying to coach you you know you're good you're great let's go this way you know and you try and get him back on the field and, and going that's kind of how it is with puppies sometimes sometimes you know you're you know you're working with them to get better and better at this and to understand how to play the game and it might be a little harder for them but once they get going and you start coaching them, you've, you've laid the foundation. So now when they're, you know, for these boys, they're seven, eight, ten years old, and you're coaching the same group, and all of a sudden you're saying things like, you know, the offsides is a hard a hard concept for, for a lot of young soccer players. You're like, your offsides go the other way, and they're like about to run in and score, and they're like, they just stop and turn and go the other way. And it was a great moment as a coach. You know, then the other player comes in and he scores scores when this kid could have run up and grabbed the ball and scored before him but it would have been offsides and so the concept aside they learned and they trusted and and came back to the sideline and we were saying hey yeah johnny you had just as much to do with that goal you you listened you did that was awesome and it was a proud proud moment as a coach because they were able to handle more and he was happy and he was beaming and he's like i didn't realize i was offsides but i trust you and that's exactly where we're taking our dogs. So what's the next step? The next step is we start going 3D. Maybe everything's kind of been 2D, <laughs> if we want to use another metaphor right off the bat. But now we go 3D. And 3D stands for 3Ds, duration, distraction, and distance. I'm going to say that again. Duration, distraction, and distance. So this is where we're kind of headed. We, we want to get more duration. You know, maybe you have a place command for... 10, 20 minutes, we want to start working on an hour, two hours, even three hours. You know, we want a dog that can be calm and collected and be able to chill even when we're not right there. So that's where we start adding distance. Distance meaning between you and your dog because distance matters to a dog. If you start getting a dog to do an implied stay and you're right there standing next to them, they might do really good. Try taking a few steps back and see if they still, they're like, oh, this is different. Maybe I should jump off now. Maybe that's what they're saying. We want to add distance from us to them. And we want to add more and more distractions so that they can learn to be calm and composed even when, you know, little kids are running by and things like that. So it gets really, really exciting. It's not, you, you've set a foundation. It's not unbelievable that in a couple months you can have kids like running by, even jumping over your dog, and your dog just sits there and is like, I'm good with this just calm. 
Um, this is where service dogs really start to take off, and this is where your dog can really take off too. So duration, distraction, and distance. To define those a little better, duration means we want them in a command longer, holding that command, and then with the break uh, or a, a release command connected to it. So with the sit, the down, the place, um, wait, not really come because come is just you do it. But the heel command should get markedly better here. Heel command is basically a place command that moves, and it's it's hard. It's hard for dogs. Okay, they, we're wanting them right next to us, not ahead of us, scanning everything. We want focus with that heel. And again, like I said, it's been hard for puppies. Probably it's really tough uh, to train, and yet now it gets way way easier because you've built the foundation, and they can start to walk further and be focused in that walk and then it just becomes second nature after a while distraction you know we might start doing things like uh there's all sorts of things you you can use your imagination here um i'll turn on music really loud because all of a sudden they're like this is weird what's going on um sometimes even you know you might do things like uh have kids run by i talked about that one vacuums um other dogs people and we want them to hold the command even though it might be difficult and then release and let them um, have the reward in that regard distance you know having a dog do a down and being able to get um, 15 feet away 20 feet away uh, a tennis court away a football field away um, is awesome it's really cool to have that level of obedience in your dog and your dog will start to have much more freedom that way so greater focus uh, greater relationship and greater freedom is what comes in the next two months. And they really start to get it and it gets really, really exciting. Um, over two months, what we like to do step by step is we build back and we go through all of those things, like all of the obedience, but we're expecting more of those three Ds. And you're going to have new tools. Uh, you'll find that a slip lead after a while, um, it still works if you have really good technique, but um, as a trainer, we realize that we're probably going to have better technique than the people we're working with their dogs, and that's why we really train people more than dogs. The dogs always get it. They always change. They always improve. Um, we really need to work on our technique, and a tool is only as good as the person that holds it, okay? So, you know, a, a hammer can be a dangerous tool in the wrong hands, so you've got to make sure that you're not uh, you know, there are bad tools, of course, but that you're not judging the, the book by its cover and also realizing that tools don't train dogs, people train dogs. There's lots of different tools you can use. Simple tools that are effective and work well and communicate well with dogs. After five months, we might start using uh, a good prong collar. We like the Herm Springer prong collar. Um, they get a lot of bad press, but again, you've got to use them right and don't get a crappy one. The crappy ones are crappy. They're pretty bad. And then we'll also start using an e-collar or what some people might call a shock collar. They're different though. And that's really, really important. If you're going for the cheapest version, you're probably not going to get very good. You're going to get something that just feels like a painful shock. And we don't want that. We want something that has a different kind of electricity, like medical electricity. If you've ever had them like do that medical electricity on your knee, can it hurt? Yeah, but most of the time it's more like a little itch or a tickle. And if you're using it right with the dog, that's how we want to use it. The lowest level possible where the dog barely feels it because we don't want to put a lot of input in. We want them to start doing more of this on their own. And it's a pressure release technique just like we've used before, but with the, the muscles of the dog. So it feels more internal than external. And it, it's awesome that way. 
if you're nervous about those things, it's really good to do some research or to talk with the right people. In fact, you can even um, call in to us and ask about it. Or my wife and I often do um, on our Instagram, we do live question and answer. But they're a really good tool. And every person we ever have fill it. We're like, and we do, we have them fill it if they're going to use it. They always say, that's not what I thought it was. That's different. So we don't want to lump it in the same, the same boat as, um, you know, a $60 one from Amazon or China or something like that, because it's not the same thing. And uh, it's definitely how you use the tool that matters, not so much, uh, and the capacity of the tool, the capability of the tool, but how you use it is very important. So we like the mini educators. They're, uh, they're good and they, for the most part, work for everything we want to be able to accomplish with this awesome level of obedience. Um, you're going to start getting a better heel. That's going to get way better in the next two months with advanced training and with more duration, distance, and distraction. The distance, of course, is not really going to be a part of that one so much. Uh, you might add a come command as part of that, and then you can get distance like with a weight or a sit or whatever you want to do. Um, but you will get more distraction, work through distraction and more duration and have an awesome hill so that you don't have to, so you can enjoy your walks again <laughs> instead of uh, maybe never enjoying them again. So this is the, the steps you've taken to have that. You're gonna do more field trips, okay? You're gonna get out more and expect more um, obedience in those situations, more composure in those situations, excuse me, and spend more time working on those things out there. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. Um, you're going to also, after a couple of weeks, start to phase out the tools. We don't want to use these tools forever. We want to use them to train and then uh, and use them throughout the day and make it kind of second nature. And it just depends on the dog at this point. So I always tell people, if uh, you find yourself not needing to use the tools and you're still getting obedience, then it's time to start phasing them out. If you feel like you need to use them, uh, you know, several times a day, then it's probably not quite time yet. And dogs mature at different rates. So you kind of have to fill it out with your dog. But that's the ultimate goal is phasing out uh, those tools, using them less and less, ultimately remo removing them and just having an awesome dog. So you've spent, if you've worked on this from eight weeks, you've spent about five, six months working on this. And you've got the dog that you're looking to have for a lifetime. And it's awesome. I mean, this is what this is the the dream that most people have with their dog is being able to do all of these things and have the composure, not having a dog rush the door, um, not having a dog bark incessantly at the window. You've built in not just you don't just have to correct it. You've built in other options where your dog can learn to be calm, and you'll start to find that even when your dog isn't asked to do anything, like they'll go find their placemat and they'll lay down. Or they'll go walk into the open kennel and just hang out. Or they'll just lay down on the floor and be happy because they've learned that, that is, they, they've got that skill. They know the game and they're playing it and they're doing it and it's awesome. So I hope you have happy training. I hope you're ready to take it uh, to the next level, to the advanced training level. And if you have questions on that, again, I, like I told you, you can come to our Instagram page or Facebook page. And usually once a week, my wife and I do live question and answer. You're welcome to come be a part of that and ask any question you'd like about behavior. We'd love to help you through it. Um, we can't ever apply something we don't understand. We can't apply it effectively. And so if you need more understanding, then definitely come do that or keep listening right here. And we'll move on from this series of working through the obedience and the training from eight weeks to about 
seven months of our puppies and uh, start with a different topic again next time, different question. But thank you for listening, and I hope this was helpful. I really, really do. I really want you to have an awesome dog because it's one of the greatest things in life. All right, guys, happy training. Take care, and we'll talk to you next time.